0: I'd like to thank you for coming out to the Shawn Mike Podcast. This podcast is coming out on Monday, September 21st. Obviously, if you watched that last game, you're going to know this is not going to be the most happy podcast in the world. We had a Nebraska Cornhuskers did play a great football game against Miami. At least the final score was great, you know. But actually, the final score wasn't great, you know. Getting knocked down 36-33 to 33 in overtime. Once again, just a really tough tough loss for the program, I mean, you always thought that, you know, BYU getting beat on a Hail Mary by them was going to be what was going to be probably the toughest moment all year, and then, you know, you beat up on a South Alabama squad, but you're overmatched in that game, so this Miami game, you're really just looking to see where you're at and what the, kind of where the program's going, and it was, I'm going to get into kind of my thoughts on the game, you know, I'm going to look at you know, was it was it really the great comeback from the Huskers, or was it more more stuff going on the other side, or maybe was it a mix between the two? Also, we're gonna kind of just you know look at what's next for this program. You know, obviously, obviously, you know, one and two, you know, BYU, they're not looking like a bad team. Miami, they haven't lost yet, but they did blow the lead to us, and they look like you know. I'm just curious to see where their team goes moving forward. You know, obviously, either way, it's a tough loss because you know just because of how the game looked a lot of the game but yeah we're just gonna and we're also gonna look at you know maybe where our fan base is versus uh, where Miami's fan base is not necessarily just looking at the fan base but overall just getting a viewpoint for you know where we're overall at as programs right now you know when we kind of look at the final stats you know Nebraska you know it and once again I'm just gonna prelude this by saying you know it I think the stats wound up evening out. I think if you were actually watching that game, though, you definitely saw, you know, how Miami was over the course of the game. But anyway, the final stats for, you know, Nebraska, 462 total yards to Miami is 511. Nebraska had 309 passing yards. Miami had uh, 379. The Huskers had about 153 rushing yards. Miami 132. Now, the Huskers actually averaged, you know, just a little under five yards a carry. Now, Miami was right around 4. Uh, Huskers, once again, penalties was a huge problem in this game. 12 penalties for 98 yards. I think Hopefully that's something we definitely need to improve on if we want to be a little bit more competitive moving forward. Uh, Nebraska had 3 turnovers. Uh, 3 of those were interceptions. We'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, Miami had 1 turnover that was an INT that was thrown. Overall, just looking at the stats for the day, Tommy Armstrong, 21 of 45, 309 yards, 4 TDs, and then yes, the three interceptions that we mentioned earlier. One thing that we'll definitely get into a little bit more is there's quite a few drops in that game, which is really tough to see. Overall, just, you know, looking for a better performance from the team, but it just didn't just didn't pan out that way. Uh Armstrong, yeah, I mean twenty one to forty five when you really look at it how they got back into the game. And we'll get a little more specific into the, you know, coverage throughout the game, but he was he was a big reason why they were able to get back into the game. So I know obviously we're gonna get into the huge play later on in the game, but overall I feel like he was a big reason why the Huskers were able to do what they did later on moving forward in that game. You know, uh, Terrell Newby, uh, he had 14 carries for 82 yards, averaged about uh, 6 yards a carry. In hindsight, it's easy to say, why didn't they get in the ball more? Once again, if you're following the game and watching closely, you did see how Miami was and how they jumped out to a lead a little bit and how we had to kind of get back into the game. And, you know, we'll get into more stats later, but rather than just, you know, going through the entire stat line going to focus a little more on my perceptions on how the game started kind of where everything went. One thing I noticed right off the bat is you know obviously when you're pan- when you're playing a team like a South Alabama that's you know just not up to par, not up to the same level, you know even close to what Miami's at. You're going to have a little more, you know, open open throwing lanes. You're going to have a little bit more room to run the ball. Overall, um, very tight throwing windows right off the bat for Tommy Armstrong uh, you know obviously there was multiple drops I think at one point they'd mentioned there was like six or seven drops I don't know what the final tally was but you know definitely enough to make a difference and really just kind of mess up mess up the rhythm of the game and everything and you know the Huskers started to drive off um, with a three and out just to start the game and that was a really really kind of a tough way to set the tone for the game it kinda wasn't a great start And, you know, uh, Kaya, the Miami quarterback, he was the uh, ACC Rookie of the Year last year. And um, definitely the way Miami started, they really just uh, were up-tempo. You know, you hate to say this, but they definitely look like the stronger, faster, bigger team out there very early in the game. And, yeah, they just got their up-tempo going. They're able to get a really quick scoring drive. And that's the biggest thing that that I noticed, how they were able to really just jump out in front. You know, I took down some notes about how, Now, the pass defense, you know, that's once again still been a struggle. Obviously, you're going to get better with that moving forward, but it's just up to this point in the year, it's just not getting to the tempo that, you know, everyone would like, and it's not getting to the level that it probably needs to be. Once again, I'm always going to preclude this by saying I'm not in the – I'm not, like, smashing, you know, college kids. I know that, you know, they are student athletes. They are going to get better. They are going to improve. Just from my standpoint in this one game, obviously the pass defense struggled quite a bit of the game. You know, there were times where from the defensive line, it was tough to uh, generate pressure. And, you know, I think obviously with Randy Gregory from uh, last year's team, I think that's something that was definitely kind of a change that really made a big impact. You know, when you have that guy that can come off the edge and make that impact, um, it's just going to be make life a lot easier. And I think there's guys on here, and I'll get into one in particular, that really have the ability to become that player to where they really can be that consistent pass rusher, you know, day in and day out. But, you know, part of it, too, is, you know, some players a little bit younger development because, you know, actually the one player I'm going to get into is actually a freshman. So I'm going to kind of we'll talk about that player specifically later on. But definitely just overall a slow defensive start, which has kind of been kind of been a trend, you know, obviously a South Alabama game was not a part of that trend but when you look at you know quality competition with BYU and then Miami I think we definitely could be improved on that start you know we were uh, down 14-0 with a uh, you know a little over eight minutes left in the first so big, my big takeaway from that when I'm looking at it is you know just getting off to a slow start when you get off to that slow start it makes the entire game that much more difficult because You're going to have a hard time when you put yourself in a hole. I mean, it's one thing when you're 0-0 and you just, you know, are battling it out. But when you, and I, you know, another field goal tacked on by Miami, you know they were down 17 to nothing. And, you know, it just, it was tough because, you know, even after that, you know, we were able to get a drive going and, you know, kind of getting a little momentum, a little bit of steam left in the second quarter. But, you know, that drive ended in a field goal. And then, no, the one thing I will say about the defense, though, is it seemed like even though – because I guess my takeaway, too, is, yeah, I'm kind of giving the defense a hard time, but they were on the field a lot. You know, all those drops, you know, there were so many um, times where Nebraska had to punt in that game very early on. So the defense was on the field quite a bit of the time because the offense was having a little bit of a tough time getting the drive started. And The defense was constantly out there. And I did notice there was a couple drives where – um, they were able to hold Miami to field goals. So, you know, it's it's not all bad. That's one thing that uh, people need to take away from this because, you know, with them being out there so much of the time, obviously they had their struggles, but at the same time they did a lot of things uh, really well. I mean, being able to hold, you know, a team to a couple field goals when you're out there quite a bit of the game really does make a big difference. And, you know, uh, one thing that I definitely noticed was uh, the player I kind of want to talk about is... Uh, You know, the redshirt freshman from Grandview, Missouri, you know, Freedom McKinn-Moladoon, you know, he's a – yeah, I know a long word to say, but, you know, great player. I think we're going to have to get used to it. But, uh, you know, he had a a nice sack, you know, to force a, you know, three and out late in the second quarter. And I think he's going to be a guy to look out for because notice what I said, redshirt freshman. The kid – I mean, he – I know at least one of the last two games he's had a sack. I'm not sure if he's had a sack in all three games, but he's been a real quality player. And that kind of gives me, you know, hope moving forward. You know, if he can just continue to develop, then I'd love to see where that kid's at as a junior, and um, unless he gets a chance at the next level right away as a senior at Nebraska too. Because, you know, he's he's a wretched freshman, and he's already had a, an impact against – and, you know, regardless of what you think of Miami or – BYU, you know, he's had, a, I know he's had sex in those games, so to be able to, you know, be that young and have an impact on the game already, that definitely is just, um, a good sign for things to come, because obviously, when you lose a game like this, and when the game kind of looks the way it does for, you know, by and large part, Miami being in control of the game most of the game until late, it's, uh, really nice to see a player like this be able to flash out, and one thing too is, uh, Jordan Westerkamp, continuing, continuing to make an impact. You know he had a couple of nice punt returns, but I remember in the second quarter he had one, took it about you know 22 yards, and not really, and not really led to, you know, a nice little, nice little play. But you know the Huskers had a drive going, but they got a you know hands to the face penalty, and uh, but then they after that though they were able to connect to uh, Stanley Morgan Jr to get a first down and you know I kind of you know put down um, after that drive though the way it ended is the drive ended in an INT and I kind of was thinking just from that one drive it kinda represents what the first half was you know there was a lot of drops a lot of penalties defense was on the field way too long pass defense had some issues and I think at times we were able to get a pass rush but it was kinda up and down so we ended the half down twenty to three, so it's once again you know you can i know b y u they're able to get back in the game and you can you can get back into the game and obviously we saw the huskers can get back in the game with this game and the b y u game but when you continue to uh put yourself in a hole, you're really putting yourself in a lot tougher situation than you need to be like imagine if that game is if that game is even like a seven or ten point game and Nebraska is able to rally the way it the way it did later and that's a game that we possibly win. But when you're down by when you're down by 17 at the half and it's already 20 points on the board, that's going to make it that much harder to be able to get back into the game just because you know you're already in a hole. And kind of looking at how the third quarter started, you know, it definitely it kind of looked like the game was really about to get away because when you look at it, you know, the third quarter there was a 41-yard yeah, touchdown run right off the bat for Miami. And I was kinda of like, wow, that's that's not a good way to start the half. But um, you know, Westercamp was able to get a touchdown catch, but um one thing I noticed about uh, Tommy Armstrong, even though even though the drops were I mean, even though uh drops kind of took away his rhythm, it, it was kind of a tough game to evaluate for him because I mean the drops definitely hindered it to where like I'm not saying... You're going to have, like, a couple drops, so I don't think you're going to just add, like, every drop that happened that game. But, I don't know, add, like, four or five of them back, and he's, like, 25, 25 completions rather than 21. And that puts him above 50%. You know, 25 of 45 is where that would be at. So I think he he had his moments in his game. and that play, he was able to just uh, extend the play and hit Jordan Westerkamp. Once again, Jordan Westerkamp... Being a player that it seems like we're constantly seeing just being able to show out and have a good games. I know I've said that constantly, but, you know, he keeps making plays every single week. So it's pretty easy to keep mentioning a guy when he's able to be that consistent. And, you know, that put the game at 27-10. to 10. And then later on in that game in the third quarter, we were able to hold them, hold them to a field goal. So there was times where Miami was able to march the ball down the field. But at the same time, we were able to hold them to the field goals. Now, after that field goal, you know, it was still 30-10 to 10 Miami. And the one thing that, um, you know, I kind of noticed in the third quarter is the offensive line did seem to have a struggle with the defensive line for Miami. Uh, just a ton of pressure, uh, getting sacked. Um, yeah, there was a play where, uh, yeah, Armstrong took like a 10- or 15-yard sack and on third down. And, yeah, it was just... Just kind of a tough, tough game overall from Miami because Miami definitely looked like they were trying to impose their will. I you know, but in the fourth though, something that I saw that was uh, pretty positive, and actually one of the guys that to me stood out a little bit, or at least stepped up and made a play, was uh, Josh Kalu. You know, he's uh, he's from Houston, Texas, a defensive back. He made a made a play for the Huskers. You know, getting an INT like. As Miami was driving, he got the INT in in the end zone for us. So that was just a huge play. And then, you know, later on after that, Armstrong was able to uh, get a touchdown to Moore, to uh, Alonzo Moore. But the one thing I kind of wanted, though, is uh, when you really look at the stats, Alonzo Moore, he had a, one catch for 10 yards and one touchdown. And I thought that was kind of interesting just because I didn't feel like he was getting used nearly as much As what he did the first couple games. Now, I mean, when you really look at the stat totals, I mean, Westercamp had five catches, 95, and a touchdown. Brandon Riley, once again, he's been a really pleasant pleasant surprise, and I think he's going to be an impact player the the whole year now. I mean, he just keeps making plays, four catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. But I did notice uh, Stanley Morgan Jr., he had four catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. So, I mean, there were other guys that were stepping up. I guess the biggest reason I noticed Alonzo Moore not quite being as involved in the game plan was because um, he, they had been doing a lot of the end-around motion with him, and it seemed like he had been a little bit of a bigger factor. And it's not to knock the guy or anything. I mean, he still had a he had a touchdown catch in that game, so I'm not taking any credit away. I think – I guess the only thing I can think of is maybe the mindset that might have been on those end-of-round end of plays that – with Miami having, you know, it looked like a decent amount of team speed out there that they wanted to not necessarily try to do all those end plays to make it to where they were getting horizontal just because they maybe might have been a little bit uh intimidated by the speed that Miami presents so they just didn't want to do plays that uh, weren't going north and south they went that route. Anyway, I do think he's the guy that uh the more you get him involved in games the better the huskers are going to be so i definitely look at uh, going forward that he's able to able to just be more of an impact and, you know i do want to look at um this is kind of getting a little bit away from you know the husker side of it but i i felt like al golden i could not understand what was going on with his uh with his game plan, and I think we're going to get into, like, the Miami fan base versus our fan base, but honestly, like, he felt like a coach that was – I don't know if he was trying to just bury Nebraska or I don't know if he was trying to – if he was like, well, this game's obviously in hand, so I'm going to just try to run up the score on these guys because I'm getting pressure from my fan base and I just – I have to do this in order to – I don't know, make a statement, but it was very, very odd play calling because, okay, I mentioned the stats about how Miami was four yards a game, but I mean when you look at when you look at their uh, running back, though, like he had 17 carries, 125 yards, one touchdown, and he was averaging over, he was a little under seven and a half yards per carry. So I, I really don't know what was going on to the game plan because was 25 of 42. 379, two TDs, and an interception. And I know when you look at the final stats, it's like, it's really easy to make judgments. But if you actually, like, were plugged in and watching the entire game, you really notice that, you know, when you saw that running back go, like, every time he got the ball, it seemed like he was able to make plays. And especially when they got into our end zone later on in the game, uh... I don't know. It seemed like they had a decent enough lead and they were like throwing the ball and not taking time off the clock and their running game had been really effective against us all game. And once again, I'm not saying this to like diminish the Husker comeback or anything because whenever you're down that much and you're able to come back, I mean, you stepped up as a team regardless of all the issues there might be that with a particular team, you were still able to do what you needed to do to get back in the game. So all credit there. It was just I'm not trying to be mean and I'm not trying to be harsh, but it was one of the worst opposing um, coaching performances I've ever really seen just because I just don't understand how they were they were so successful and they had like a, I don't know, 15, 20-point lead, and then they're trying to like throw the ball into the end zone when they were clearly running it against us and being extremely effective. So I was kind of baffled, to be honest. I also thought that uh, – Anyway, I'll save some of the other stuff later on when I, I want to get more into the fan bases. It was just, it was just really interesting, the way that he went about uh, calling that game, I guess you could say. And then, um, you know, Brent, the defense was able to make, you know, a big uh, third and one stop with a little over two, yeah, a little over two minutes left in the game. Just because, you know, Miami, it, you know, they had their play calling shift away, and then 247, it's like third and one. And they need to play, and they run it. And, you know, the Husker line is just able to surge and stop them. So, I mean, that's another really positive sign just because, you know, the struggles were there a lot of the game, I get that. But at the same time, later on in that game, they were definitely able to do what they needed to do and get a big stop. And that that was really kind of encouraging because, yes, the whole game had been um, difficult. But at the same time, the Huskers were able to do what they needed to do to, you know, Make a big play. So, you know, on the last drive, you know, that was, honestly, from my point of view, like, once we got to the last drive, it was like, okay, we're down by eight. It's like, are we really going to get a chance to, uh, A, get into the end zone, and B, tie the game? I know from my point of view, like, every time I'm watching the last game and it's a team that I really like, I'm always like... I'm always like, okay, and we're down by eight. My, I'm always like, okay, I'm really excited. I want us to get into the end zone, but it's like once we get into the end zone, then it's like that's when I'm even more like, okay, what's going to happen? Because, you know, you're not done when you get into the end zone. You have to get those two points to really not up the game, and it's not an automatic like a PAT almost always is. But, you know, Brandon Riley, obviously I mentioned his stats. I feel like he came up big on that last drive. You know, he had a he had a play where he got a catch, and then, he, ooh, he took a nasty headset. I remember watching that in the game. And uh, they actually called it for uh targeting, so we we're able to, you know, get the play, and we got the fifteen yards. Really nasty play. I'm glad he was able to. Uh, I believe he came back into the game after that, though, so I was definitely happy to see him do what he needed to do. And then you know, Tommy Armstrong, there was a third down to run where we uh, needed thirteen yards, and he was able to just make a play and get up the field. And you know, that's why I'm gonna we'll talk about what happened in overtime. You know, you can't get away from that. But at the same time, you know, I don't think anyone should really be, okay, I'm not taking this at the position, like, it's not my job to defend Tommy Armstrong, it's not my job to do that, but at the same time, for all the people that just want to go out and uh, just bash the kid, I mean, if we don't have him in that game, the reality is, I think coming back from as far back as we were. It was going to be really tough because, you know, it was kind of just a really weird game. There's a lot of stuff going on with all the drops and everything. It couldn't seem like you could get a rhythm. But later on in that game, when it needed a drive, we were able to get back into the game. So that's kind of more of the positive outlook that I – that kind of take on it. And then, you know, we were able to hit, you know, Stanley Morgan uh, Jr. for a touchdown. And, you know, he was just – I feel like going forward in the game, he's going to be a guy to look out for too just because he really seemed like – You know, playing Miami in a big game, he was able to step up big. So to be able to see him have that impact was something that was extremely positive. And then, you know, the two-point conversion uh, to Jordan Westerkamp, you know, once again, I keep saying this, but he constantly just makes plays for the Huskers. And I'm just, it's so awesome to see a guy like that be able to, you know, put it all together. Obviously, you know, going into overtime, you know, all the excitement, all the hype, everything's ready. And then there's that play. And I know this is where it's really easy just to, to level a guy or bash a guy, but, you know, it was a bad play. You know, Tommy Tommy Armstrong, you know, he, he threw an INT when I really didn't need to do that. It was the first play of overtime, but, you know, that's the way the cards fell. And like I said, I think without him, it'd be tough to see us being able to get back into that game. And, you know, after that, there was a, uh, on that same play, there was a, a personal foul on, like, an offensive lineman. So, I mean, when you factor that in, I mean, when you think about college overtime and where they start and then a personal foul, I mean, it was it was going to be pretty tough to see them not hitting a field goal beyond us just being able to make an incredible block. Obviously, you know, watching the game, we saw that didn't happen and then ended in a 36 33 loss so yeah I mean that was a extremely tough game for the Huskers obviously obviously it didn't didn't go the way that we wanted it to go then I thought it was interesting though that with uh all the young talent that Miami had that the guys that actually made plays them on the outside were um were senior players you know it's kind of interesting how sometimes in college we like to look at all these guys that are the newest and greatest thing and some guys that just Really make an impact, but in the end, the guys that have been there for a little while, uh, senior, um, both of these guys are six foot two receivers from Miami. Rashawn Scott, he had nine catches and 151 yards, and uh, senior uh, Herb Waters had four catches and 82 yards. So, yeah, I mean, they definitely, those receivers definitely had big time games against us. You know, it's always tough when you're playing, playing a talented team and they are able to are able to come back like that, but sometimes that's just, that's just the way it goes, and so, kind of what I want to get into next is, you know, the Nebraska fan base versus the Miami fan base, you know, if you're watching the game, you obviously saw, you saw what they showed from last week, how there were, you know, fire, Al and, you know, sign, banners that actually flew above the stadium, and then there was one, I don't remember what it said, but there was one that came up in this game, and it's you know, it's one thing where like uh to get criticized, but I think it's and obviously, you know, I saw the game, but I don't I don't think he's actually a terrible coach, you know, despite how I kinda ripped him on his uh play calling against us. Like honestly the only thing I could think of when I was watching the game and how he was calling the game is it's like, Man, that looks like a coach where he's not even he's not even a bad coach. He just looks like he's got so much pressure on him. He's like he's almost coaching against the pressure where it's like he knows what he probably needs to do if he wants to, you know, try to lock up the game, you know, run the ball, try to grind it out. But he's trying to, like, throw the ball and, like, win by, like, I don't know, 30 or 40 or do whatever he can. And it kind of just – obviously, you know, Miami – they had their glory days, and you know, obviously Miami-Nebraska, you know, a ton of big-time games, you know, we're talking about national championship games, Orange Bowls, you know, many games, but I think it's one of those deals where sometimes, you know, it's easy to see, wow, you know, Miami fans, and it's crazy, you know, they've got a banner going that says Fire the Coach, but sometimes what I think we really need to look at is we need to look at where we're at as fans, too, like, are we are we in that same boat where you know even even if we're having success, as soon as something goes wrong, are we ready? Are we ready to kind of just bail? Are we ready to ready to make a change? or ready to you know move on to the next coach or do what we what we feel is right? And that, like I said, you know I've said this before. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you should you should be happy with everything that's going on with the program, or, I'm not saying how you should feel, it's not my place to tell you what you should feel as a fan, I'm just saying, if you're going to support the team, then you might as well just stick with them throughout, you know, what's the point of posting in the middle of the game, or, you know, doing whatever, you know, a true fan is tough to find, but if you are a true fan, I think it's uh, extremely rewarding, once again, I'm I'm not really going to go into that all that much more, but, you know, I think that, I guess the last thing I'll make on it is I think when a team has a lot of history, a lot of success, I feel like the one way that you get back to that is, you know, you give a coaching staff a chance to, you know, to build and to do what they need to do to get back into a high level of, of success for the program. And you know, a lot of that just takes time to be honest. So I think the biggest thing I can say moving forward is that you just need to give the team a little bit of chance to gel, you know, see where it's at in two or three years, let's not see where it's at in two or three games, because yes, we made an incredible comeback against Miami, but I think this game to me has established that, you know, I think we've got a chance to have a good team, don't get me wrong, but it's very early on, and I think there's a chance to where there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs this year, and you can't... If you do expect uh, the team to go back to a national championship level, which I feel like there's definitely that possibility, it's going to take time, and it's not going to happen overnight. So yes, there's. It might be tough now, but it doesn't mean it's going to be tough forever. Okay, now next week we play Southern Miss, and that's on uh, yeah next Saturday. So definitely going to be a game to look out for. I. It's really tough to see you know what's going to happen out of this game. I think that there definitely is, you know, a chance for it to be a good game, but I think if it goes the way that Husker fans are expecting, that Nebraska should be able to, you know, pound the ball and battle out a win. And overall, I think the Huskers have a chance to get things back on track, but it's definitely going to start with having a good time next game. And... I'd just like to thank you for taking some time to listen to the Sean Mike podcast. It always makes a big difference. I just want to remind you that uh, you're able to find the podcast on Big Husker Nation on Facebook. And also if you look up uh, the Sean Mike podcast on Facebook, you're able to see it as well. Uh, Once again, thank you for joining the Sean Mike podcast today. And you guys have a great day.